Congratulations to you as a church for your 50 years. Um, it uh, hopefully you can find a spare spot on a wall somewhere and, and hang this and stuff. And so I'm not going to read it now, but just that it would draw your attention to it that uh, this is a very special occasion in the life of your church, and I get a chance to. Uh, celebrate that with many churches throughout the district. We have 100 churches in the Forest Lakes District, which is basically the state of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula bordering Wisconsin. Um, all As their representative, uh, I congratulate you for your 50 years. Um, your missional spirit of starting the church and continuing it and reaching out into your community. This past summer, I had an equal opportunity to spend it with a church in, our, in northwest Wisconsin. They were celebrating their 125th anniversary. They were started in 1891 by 32 Swedish immigrants, 32 charter members, which is a pretty large number in those days. Um, and they grew mightily through summer tent revival meetings. It reminds me of the Neil Diamond song. But as, as they grew in time past, they, were, they faced many changes. And one of the changes they encountered was language changes. So in 1930, they experimented for the first time with one service per month in English, 1930. They did that for three years and finally decided to go to all English in 1933. Um, so they encountered change. Mission, which they knew, Mission and change go together. When I was saved, my heart was changed, and I assume your heart was changed too when you encountered Jesus Christ. When, on, when a church is on mission, it changes. New people come into the church, it changes. Some people will move away, some will leave, it changes. And the culture around us is always changing, isn't it? Some some ways for good, some ways not so good. But our message, our mission, always stays the same. The method in how we present that message may change to be relevant in the new and current culture. But change is often hard for us, isn't it? We are usually comfortable in our church life with either a certain size of church or a certain style of doing church. But we cannot, and I must say we must not, all, uh, sacrifice our mission on the altar of our own personal comfort. Our mission is to change the hearts of men and women of all ages for all eternity. That we cannot sacrifice. So I beg you, encourage you, and plead with you to pursue your mission, individually and corporately as a church, and to embrace change, healthy change, and make the next 50 years as missional and as effective as the past 50 years, if not more so. And I doubt if I'll be able to come back in 50 years and join you, but maybe in spirit. Again, I congratulate you all. Thank you for what you're doing for the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm Audrey Bennett, uh, child of God, and husband of, I mean, <laughs> wife of Ralph Bennett and mother of uh, Jan and Stephen. Uh, we came to this area after Ralph had been uh, discharged from his uh, from the army he served he was drafted and when he was released uh, we he first took a job in Kokomo Indiana and um, uh, but he put out feelers for an area back in Wisconsin in this area uh, actually we grew up in Illinois but uh, we uh, enjoyed the Midwest and the lake especially. Um, John West liked his resume and hired him to come to work for the Manitowoc Company. Uh, and we, uh, 
as we settled in, uh, we knew the, one of the first things we were going to have to do was, was to find a church. We tried the, the telephone book. That gives just the address on the telephone. We tried the newspaper. That, that will give the time and the, the days of the meetings. But uh, there was nothing there to indicate what the message is that they preached. We went to a church then that had, our attention had been drawn to it by a full-sized uh, billboard that had the verse on it from John 14, 6. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but through me. And uh, that was our first inkling that, that there might be some uh, camaraderie in, in, uh, in that particular church. And uh, we went there for a while. And um, I, yet we weren't being fed. And, and uh, praise the Lord, the laners came too. And we found that we were of the same mind. We wanted to learn more about what Christ expected of us and, and uh, continually learn uh, what he had done for us and, and uh, that our walk with him will be deeper and closer, that we'll be, learn to be more obedient. And where would you learn that? Through scripture, uh, both our, our private reading uh, and then uh, through the uh, exposition of someone who had studied deeper than we had. We must have come across at least one other couple from a different church, and we began meeting in our, the homes. We would, would go to, uh, each one of us would, would uh, host a Sunday night meeting. We didn't immediately leave the, the churches that we were attending, but we uh, met for our own uh, private Bible study. And that group grew, that group grew uh, so that there were more who were uh, coming along each Sunday and uh, finding that uh, it was great to have fellowship with other Christians and to be learning and drawing closer to the Lord along with that. I, I guess it's just as the group grew and we thought that, uh, well, maybe we can eventually afford to have our, our own pastor and have someone lead us in our Bible studies. Uh, that was to be a, a long, long time but the first thing we did was to look for uh, places to rent that would accommodate our now larger group. One place was the uh, vocational school in Manitowoc. The uh, vending machines were plugged in 24-7, and so often uh, during the time that we were there, the um, the machines would go on and uh, drown out the pastor's voice, I mean the preacher's, the speaker's voice. This of course was later on what, that when we were getting um, uh, weekly speakers coming from the uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So um, on November 20th, 1966 is the official day that you became, an e it was incorporated as an Evangelical Free Church. Do you remember that? I remember that uh, we spoke with uh, several denominations and uh, one of our members was rather persistent in, in thinking that it ought to be a Baptist church. But we felt with two Baptist churches already here, it would only cause people to be confused as to why would it be necessary for a third Baptist church? And we um, uh, read and, and uh, agreed with the uh, stand of the uh, Evangelical Free Church as far as, as uh, the scriptures and their, 
their vision and um, so we chose to go deeper and as the more we learned we determined that that was the group we wanted to be associated with. One time of, of real movement was when Howard Plusser came. We had been through a rough time and we needed healing. He was, uh, uh, it's been said that he looked like a youngster, uh, but, uh, but he, was, uh, he was deep with the Lord. And he led us uh, to uh, a time of hope again and, and uh, looking forward. He, um, the Lord sent him, that's for sure. Uh, one time that, that really impressed me was when uh, a number of the young people who had uh, been in a, uh, the youth group and had, uh, some of them had been through uh, Trinity Christian School as well, uh, they were called by the Lord to go into uh, full-time ministry, some, in, some as missionaries to foreign lands, uh, some at, uh, as college ministry, uh, as, as ministers in this country. And, and this, was, this was really exciting to see the, the, the results of having grown up in a church that preached the word and preached that we have a responsibility to those who haven't responded yet to God's invitation. Um, we got discouraged at times and we made mistakes, I'm sure of that, probably more than we, we recognized. Um, but uh, the Lord never gave up on us. And uh, the one, well, a time when we were without a pastor, I would say that Jack Lindloff was a strong point in holding us together, and we even stepped out and bought property. Did either of you uh, see uh, on Facebook a, uh, a little video but it said that uh, some women had been uh, reading and studying scripture together, and they read in the third chapter of Micah that the Lord was being a, uh, a, uh, a shiner of silver. And the one woman got to thinking about a silversmith, and she decided to go and ask, uh, talk to one. And she said, what, what is this all about? How do you, how do you work with silver? And so he went through a long uh, description of it. And when he finished, uh, she said, um, how do you know when it's done? Uh, first of all, uh, what, what he told her was that it had, the silver had to go through the fire. It had to have these, these uh, the torturous things happen to it uh, before it turned into what it was supposed to be. And uh, yet, uh, she said, do you watch it? Oh, yes, he said, I'm there every minute. I can't leave it. Uh, it could be spoiled, ruined. And then she said, how do you know when it's done? And she said, when I can see my face shining in it. And so she just put that all together as how uh, we need to face troubles. We need to to have hurts as long as the Lord is at our side, watching out for us all the time. And the only time that we'll be finished is when he shines forth through us. Well, God hasn't changed. He hasn't pulled back. So we have a responsibility to keep on trusting him walking with him, looking for how he leads us, even if, if it maybe doesn't seem 
the way we, we particularly as individuals want to go. Um, we need to uh, just allow the Lord to have his way in our lives and, and thus in our church. We don't know his, plan, his future plans, so we just better go along. Oh, man. I don't even have to talk, really. I mean, we were leaving Audrey's uh, house and uh, just in a real peaceful way, she said, I wish, wish Ralph was here. Yeah, Ralph passed away just this past year, so she really wished he was, would be a part of it. And uh, it's just so precious to hear from one of our charter members how God was faithful in bringing us all together. Fifty years. Fifty years. Started with a small group of people who, as Audrey said, wanted to learn more about what Christ expected of us and continually learn what he has done for us. And I love this part that she said, that our walk with him would be deeper and closer. <laughs> a deeper and closer walk with Jesus based on the truth of the Bible, the truth of the Scriptures. Uh, this has been how Faith Church started 50 years ago. This is how it's been all the way up until this very day. And the idea of helping people have a, a deeper and closer walk with Jesus in alignment with the Scriptures, I know, will catapult us into the future. Why any one of us can have a deeper and fuller relationship with Jesus is because Jesus is alive. <laughs> we know that Jesus died on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He was buried, but three days later, Jesus rose from the, from the grave. And He is alive today, and we can know Him in a deeper and closer way because He's alive. And the only way that we can grow in that relationship in a deeper and closer way, the only way that we, we can do that is by making sure that that relationship is built on the foundation of the truth. A personal relationship with Jesus. A profoundly deep relationship with Jesus is based on the truth of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 16. He said that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then, and I paraphrase here, our faith is futile and our hope is helpless. However, Jesus did rise from the dead. And therefore, you and I have a message that we need to tell people. We have a message to tell them that absolutely anyone and everyone can have a personal relationship with Him because He is alive. Amen is right. In thinking about Jesus, really, uh, we have two paths to choose from. We can either choose the path of lies or we can choose the path of the truth. And it all started back at the resurrection. These two paths separated right at the point of the resurrection. And so I'd like to take us back to the resurrection and see how these two paths were formed and then to ask ourselves the question, which path do you and I want to be on? And so we're first going to talk about the path of lies, the path of untruths, the path of deception. And the path of lies says this, that the message of the resurrected Jesus must be silenced. That the path of the resurrection of Jesus must be silenced. You'll know if you're visiting with us here that on the back of your bulletin, I normally do a fill-in-the-blanks, and these are the fill-in-the-blanks. You can follow along here. And if you have a Bible handy, you can follow along with me. Otherwise, I also have the Scriptures up on the screen. So if you have uh, your Bibles, you can follow. Otherwise, go with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is all about the resurrection, and it begins in verse 1 with these words. It says, Now after the Sabbath, that would have been Saturday, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
came to look at the grave. The other Mary, by the way, you've got to go back to chapter 27 and verse 56, where she is the mother of James and Joseph and the, uh, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. That's enough for us to know for right now. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards, those would be the guards that were guarding the tomb, shook for fear of him because, and became like dead men. The next time we hear about these guards is down in verse 11. So jump down in verse 11. It says, now, while they were on their way, that would be the two Marys, while they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests uh, and all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. In other words, you are to lie. You are to deceive. Verse 14. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. In other words, we'll cover up your lies. You lie and we'll cover the lies for you. Verse 15. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. They went and lied. (laughs) And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. The lies were believed back then. And the lies are still believed today. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think that those religious leaders knew the truth? That Jesus actually did rise from the dead? Do you think those religious leaders knew that? I mean, they, they heard the, 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 the guards. They, they heard the soldiers. They, the soldiers saw what happened. They saw the angel. They, they were a part of all that. They saw that the tomb was empty. And they went and they reported it, just as they had seen it, to these religious leaders And the religious leaders never doubted them, never said, you're wrong. They just thought that it was in their best interest to not have this get out there. That this is something that we must silence. You see, the path of lies leads to trying to silence the message of the truth of Jesus. Have you ever had a time when you wanted to silence the truth that you had heard? I mean, for instance... Maybe you heard a diagnosis of an illness and you just didn't want to believe it. You just wanted to silence that. Or, or maybe you heard, you, you thought to yourself, you know, I know I'm a shoe-in for this job, and yet, whoa, you didn't get the job. And you're like, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't, or the opposite, you know, all of a sudden you're let go from a job and you're like, I can't, I'm not going to believe, this can't be true. I was thinking back in my life, when, when had I ever, like, not believed something that was actually true to be true and, and what, what would have happened. So I went back to the time when I was about 11. It was about this time of the year when the daylight saving time be, uh, ended and the, uh, you know, the nights, uh, it's going to get dark real fast tonight. And uh, my friend who lived two doors down, his name was Paul, he's a year older than me, he and I used to walk up to the high school, which was a mile up the road. I lived um, in the rural part of the uh, suburbs of Milwaukee. I, we actually grew up on a small farm, but this like country road walked, uh, went right up to the high school. And so he and I would go swimming at open swim night at the high school. And we were walking up the road, and it was dark, and uh, Paul happened to look behind us, and he saw a guy walking behind us. Now, you know, guy walking on the street, we didn't have sidewalks or anything. It didn't really make a lot of sense. And so Paul just posed the question, do you think he's following us? And I looked around, and I thought, and said, no, no, he's not following us. And, and then Paul looked around again a little while later, and he says, he's gaining on us, you know, he's walking faster than we are. And I was like, no, it's nothing, we don't have to worry about it. And Paul said, well, why don't we just jog? And I thought, well, okay, you want to jog, we can jog. So we start, you know, my little 11-year-old legs start jogging, and as soon as we started jogging, the guy behind us starts running toward us. So we, of course go from a jog to as fast as we can, we're running, trying to, you know, get ahead of him, and we realize he's gaining on us, and so Paul says, let's run into the woods. Now, I know that might not sound like the smartest thing to do, but we're 11, and we know the woods quite well, and, uh, and we figured maybe we can lose him in the woods. Now, to get to the woods, we had to make an immediate left, run across a field, and then at the backside of the field was the woods, 
And so we turned into the field and we're running across it. We're maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 100 yards at the most ahead of the guy. And we get all the way to the back of the, uh, to the field and sure enough, he cuts into the field after us. He's chasing after us. We get into the woods and we like run as if we're running straight into the woods. And when we thought we were deep enough into it where he couldn't see us, we then made an immediate right. And we knew that we would then jump over the stream and then across into the woods a little bit more, up this little embankment, across this small road on the other side of the road. Then the woods continued on. And so that's what we did. We ran across the stream, up over the road, and we're in the woods across the road. And we see the guy make it to the woods. And he's kind of standing there. We can see him. He can't see us. And he's looking around, looking around, trying to see if he can spot us, and he can't spot us. And we're just really still hiding there across the road. And finally we see that he gives up on us, and he turns back around, goes back up the field, back onto the road, and heads back in the direction that he was coming. And Paul and I, as soon as we thought we were safe, man, we booked it with all we had as fast as we could to the high school. And we got there safe and sound. But I, I was thinking about that story, and I was thinking, you know, in the, in the beginning... I really didn't want to believe the truth that this guy was following us. And if I had ignored Paul telling the truth about this guy or what he thought was the truth about him, I, I, I wonder some pretty bad stuff could have happened to us. Some pretty evil stuff could have happened to us. You know, I think the whole world wants to silence the truth about the resurrected Jesus. The truth is out there, but people choose to live in the darkness and not believe the truth about Jesus and that he rose from the dead. And the, it's very clear that they, with not believing that, that he's alive today, they are living in the darkness and they don't believe that they're in danger, but the truth of the matter is evil is following them. Because Jesus said it, the Apostle Paul said it, and the Apostle John, they all said it, that if we don't have Jesus, we walk in the darkness. Many may know about, about the resurrected Jesus, but not put their trust in Him or yield their lives to Him. And that is to live a life that is built on deception. That is living a life where you're Building your life on lies. You're stepping into lies. Living in the darkness. But Jesus said that he came so that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. So let's talk about the path of truth. The path of truth says that the message of the resurrected Jesus must be told. The message of the resurrected Jesus must be told. We must tell people about Him. Go back up to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 5. Back up to verse 5. It says this, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for He has risen, just as He said. Come, see the place where He was lying. See, I told you the truth. He told you the truth. And you can see it for yourself. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going, uh, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I have told you the truth as well. This is the truth. You can bank on it. Verse 8. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. The angel told them, go quickly. Don't hesitate. Go and tell the disciples what I have told you. Go and tell them what Jesus has told them. And what did the women do? They went quickly. But they didn't just go quickly. Did you notice how else they went? Notice in verse 28, it says that they went with fear and great joy. They went with fear. Fear because this message about Jesus that He's resurrected, that He's alive, that we can know Him, that we can live with Him, that we can actually follow after Him, that we can, we can have a relationship with Him that starts right now? I mean, who's going to believe this, really? Honestly. And if, if, if we tell them about Jesus and they don't believe us, are they going to reject us? Are they going to turn their backs on us? Are we going to lose friendships over just trying to tell them the truth? I mean, there's a bit of fear 
when we're thinking about telling people about Jesus. And yet, they went also with great joy. Because if Jesus has risen from the dead, then this changes everything. If Jesus has risen from the dead, then he's alive and, and, and yes, we, we can know him. He, he can really make us new people. He can really help us to grow to be what he desires for us to be. So let me just ask you the question. How has Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, made a difference in your life? I mean, I was walking, I was walking down the path of darkness. I was walking in lies. And he brought me into his truth. <laughs> I was aimless, weren't, weren't you? I mean, we, I didn't have an eternal purpose. Now I got an eternal purpose. How has having a relationship with Jesus made a difference in your life? I mean, for me, <laughs> he's my best friend. For me, he has, he has guided me. He has grown me in His wisdom. He has grown me in His holiness. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. You're not perfect either. <laughs> but we know His mercy. And we know His grace. And we know His goodness. And we know that He's never going to leave us. You and I, we have got to tell others about it. Don't we? We've got to tell them. The women told them. I mean, did you see that in verse 8? Go back to verse 8. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave Galilee, and there they will see me. This is another truth. You can go and tell them that. So the, the, the angel told them, that if they go to Galilee and they tell the disciples to go to Galilee, that Jesus is going to meet them. And he did. And they were in awe. They were in amazement. They fell to his feet. They worshiped him. And then Jesus told them, the resurrected Jesus told them, now go and tell my disciples that this is where I'm going to meet them. So go set that up with them. So the women went and told the disciples what Jesus had told them to say to them. They shared the truth from the resurrected Jesus. And then look what happens over in verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw them, Him, they worshipped Him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make fully devoted followers after me, Jesus was saying, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." You know, Jesus gave that instruction to those disciples back then. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is telling us to do the exact same thing. Because He says He's going to be with them until the, and with us until the end of the age. And the end of the age has yet to happen. And so we are a part of this instruction for us. And so each of us must ask ourselves this final question. What am I going to do with the resurrected Jesus? What are you going to do with the resurrected Jesus? What am I going to do with, with the resurrected Jesus? Are we going to carry His message to the world? Are we going to carry His message in our day and age? Jesus tells us to go. He commands us to go. I love how Audrey Bennett said it in the, in the video. She said this, we need to allow the Lord to have His way in our lives and in our church. And if Jesus is going to have His way in our lives and in our church, then we must do what He calls us to do, and that is go. Go and make disciples. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means that we're calling people to have their identity be in Jesus. When you baptize someone, they go under the water symbolizing I am dead to my old self. They come up out of the water to say, I'm now living a new life. I'm living for Jesus' sake. We're calling people to give their lives to Jesus Christ. 
And then we're to teach them all that he has commanded us. We're to teach them the truth of the Bible. You know what? I could sum it up in the words of the wonderful Audrey Bennett. <laughs> to have a deeper and closer relationship with Jesus founded on the scriptures. Founded on the Bible. Now, when we think about doing that, we might have this little tug of war going on in our hearts. The same tug of war that went on in Mary and Mary's heart. <laughs> we might go with fear and yet also go with great joy. But this is the promise of Jesus. And lo, I am with you always. You don't have to do this by yourself. I'm going to be with you when you do it. You know, Jesus has but one plan for the gospel, for the good news about him to get out there to spread. He has one plan for the message that Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins. He died so that we would be made right with God the Father. He died so that God the Father would cast His judgment upon His Son and not upon ourselves so that we might have a relationship with Him so that our sins would be forgiven. And this relationship with Him starts today. He rose from the dead so that we could have this relationship that starts today and lasts forever. This message must be shared by you and by me. This is the way that Jesus wants His good news, the gospel, to be spread. Through us. And He does not have a backup plan. This is the way He wants it done. Back in June, I shared with all of us that uh, God, I think, has laid it on my heart. I know He's laid it on many of your heart. That he is calling us to do this thing called tithing Manitowoc. Some of you know that phrase. We need to tithe Manitowoc. A tithe means a tenth or 10%. That if we could just reach 10% of our community of about 35,000, that's 3,500. If we could just reach just 10% of Manitowoc with Jesus Christ, oh, what a wonderful thing that would be. Yeah, he calls us to carry this out. He says to every one of us, go. More specifically, go quickly. Don't hesitate. Don't kind of sit on this. Go and, and, and invite people, as our mission statement says, invite people into a relationship with Jesus and then together we can become devoted followers of Him in alignment with His truth. We're in this series right now, this is the last of it, called Building Bridges, and you'll notice if you've been with us the last three, week, uh, three weeks, this bridge is finally built. And in the first week, we talked about making connections with people, that we don't have to necessarily, you know, share the entire gospel with everybody that we meet, although if, you know, the Lord leads us, that's fine, but... God will nudge you and nudge me to have conversations with people. He will nudge us to pray for people. He'll, nudge, he'll lay people on our hearts where we just need to you know, talk to them about spiritual things. And we need to obey that nudge. So we talked about making connections. Then last week we talked about commitment. That if we are going to build bridges with people and talk about, uh, talk about Jesus with the lost, we have got to be committed to it. We've got to say, okay, Lord, I'm all in. So last week and the week before, I was talking to you about, well, who could maybe you and I write their name on the bridge to say, Lord, if you would just use us to reach this lost person, I'm going to be praying for that person. And Lord, if you nudge me, I'm committed to having spiritual conversations with them. And so that commitment has to be there. If we're going to do what Jesus has called us to do, we must be committed to it. Today is the day that we commit to carrying it out. <laughs> you know, Christians love to talk a lot about the lost. Today we're committing to talk to the lost. We are called to carry this out. There's no other plan. And so what we have been saying, and, uh, and, and today's the day to do it, is where we're going to make a public statement we're going to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're going to say, Jesus, I'm going to submit to you on your call on my life. And Jesus has a call on your life and on my life. And that is that we would commit to carrying out the great commission, this very thing that we're talking about here, 
in Matthew 28. So what we're going to call you to do is come up. If you want to say, I want to make a public statement that I'm all in. I want, to, I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to pray for people that the Lord would save them. And that maybe there's someone that you've been thinking about. There's someone in your family. There's someone at work. There's a friend or a, 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 a fellow student or something that you're thinking, oh, Lord, if you would just save them, that would be wonderful. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have you come up. And you're going to start on this side. So kind of make your way over here. You're going to start on this side. You're going to come up. And as a sign of commitment to this, that I'm committed, I'm, I'm going to make connections, and I'm going to carry it out, you're going to walk across the bridge this way. Now, when you get up here, you're going to see two buckets full of huge markers, huge permanent markers. And there's 48 of them up here, so that ought to be enough, I hope. Maybe we'll run out. That would be awesome. Well, don't take it back with you. But what you're going to do is you're going to write the name. Somewhere on this bridge, you're going to write the name of that person that you know, oh Lord, if you would save them. And maybe you would use us to save them. And maybe you would use me to have a conversation with them. But I'm going to commit to praying for them. And I'm going to commit to when you nudge me to talk to them about you, Lord Jesus. That you're going to put their name somewhere on this bridge. And then you're going to walk down here. And then you're just going to walk back to your seat on this side. And we're going to take this bridge and put it out on our prayer path east of our, of, our, uh, of our church building here. So that when we go out and pray for our, nature, our, our, our neighbors and our community and we walk across this bridge, we're going to see all those names written on there and we're just going to pause and pray for specific people that God might use us to save them, that he might save them through us. So what we're going to do is we're going to play some music now. And as the music's being played, and by the way, if you're visiting with us and maybe you're even either in this community or not in this community and you just have somebody that you want us to be praying for, you put their name on there too. You don't, don't feel like if you're not, you know, anybody can come up here. But you're making a commitment. I'm going to, Lord, I'm going I'm to take up my cross. I'm going to make connections with people. I'm committed to the Great Commission and I am going to be about helping to carry it out. I'm, an, I'm all in. It's a sign of commitment to come on up and walk across this bridge as a sign of commitment, and as you go, take a marker and put the name of that loved one. So, I'm going to pray, and then the music's going to start. And When you feel led by the Spirit to come on up and put a name down, you come on up, all right? And then when I think we're about done, I'll come back up, and, and then we'll move on in our worship service. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have now to make a public statement that we are fully devoted followers of you, that we're all about your mission, that we're all about what you want us to do. And you tell us to go. Go and make disciples. Go and bring your good news to the lost world. There's so many lost people here in Manitowoc and in the county and in the state. No matter where we're from, Lord. Lord, we want to make a commitment today to be your fully devoted followers and be all about what you've called us to. Lord, I know for many of us here, we've got names in our hearts. We can't wait to write them down on that bridge. And so, Lord, I'm excited to see what you're going to do through us. And so we just dedicate the, the rest of this service to you, Lord. Spur us on in this moment to make a commitment publicly to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Jesus, we pray this in your precious name.
If my heart is overwhelmed And I cannot hear your voice I hold on to what is true Though I cannot see If the storms of life they come And the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will believe I remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free I am yours I am forever Mountain high or valley low I sing out, remind my soul that I 
promise comes my way when I feel your hands of grace rest upon me you're gonna do amazing something amazing Lord and we get to be a part of it you've done something amazing for the past 50 years you brought us to this moment I thank you, Lord, that you are calling us by your Spirit to this wonderful thing to go and tell lost people about you. 